Hi friends, welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles. I'm your host Marge, and my sole purpose here is to help you take control of your high life. I'm really glad you're here, thank you for listening, and let's get on with it. I'm going to be talking about a few things today, Start for starters, low smell decarbing, a new infusion that you could try, and a couple of recipes to think about that might be worthwhile trying out, and some of the things that I like to do when I'm high. Before we get into it though, I am going to tell you a bit about this month's theme, which is getting fancy. And with Valentine's Day just around the corner, you guys, why not wow someone special with a homemade edible? That way you can say, fuck you to the man for all the overly commercialized Valentine's Day bullshit that a lot of people do. I'm probably guilty of it myself. Or you could also treat yourself who is also someone special. I think you're special. So whether you're doing it for someone else or doing it for yourself, Valentine's Day is just around the corner and it's a great time to show yourself a little bit of love. So these this month's recipes are going to be a little fancier than normal, but don't worry guys, not too fancy. Nothing we all can't handle. Low smell decarbing. Oh, whatever do you mean, Marge? What do you mean by low smell decarbing? As you know, I highly recommend decarboxylating your weed for those of you who are new here because you're going to maximize the value of the cannabis that you're infusing. And decarboxylation is the way that you're going to extract the most amount of THC from your cannabis. Why wouldn't you want to do that? You're going to end up with more potent edibles. And even if you're doing lower dose edibles, you're still going to be getting more, you're going to be able to get the proper dose by using less cannabis because more of the THC is active. But of course, with decarboxylation, there's some drawbacks. One drawback, for instance, is it's an extra step that's sometimes a pain in the ass. And I understand that intimately because I don't know how many times I've gone to make an edible to go into my cupboard and realize I completely forgotten that I was out of an infusion and out of decarbed weed, which meant You got to not only infuse, but you have to start with that decarb. So it's that extra step that's sometimes a slight pain in the ass. I mean, it's not a huge pain in the ass, but it's just that extra step, which takes a little bit more time. Of course, the bigger drawback is the smell. If you've decarbed at any point, you know that even though you're just putting it in your oven to bake for, say, half an hour or so, give or take, that your house is probably going to smell pungently of toasted weed for a little longer than that and this smell is distinct and it really does like to envelop the whole space I recall a long time ago we have a basement apartment in our house and the tenant had uh, a tenant had moved in and I was decarbing some weed I didn't think anything of it and she sent me a text message saying like are you cooking something or baking right now because I smell this really strong smell. And I was like, oh shit, I never even thought about that. Fortunately, she she was pretty chill, so it wasn't like a big deal or anything. But it's just a a reminder that, of course, this smell is going to permeate throughout your entire house or apartment or living space. And if you are in a place where, say, you live in an apartment building, you live in a place where weed isn't legal, you have in-laws who are coming over and they're not so cool with, with your edibles habit. You have a roommate or you have young children, whatever the case might be, there could be a million different reasons why stinking up your whole house to decarb isn't necessarily ideal. 
And I want to give a little shout out to Leah from Wisconsin. She emailed me this week and she recommended a product that she uses. She lives in a state, Wisconsin, where cannabis is not legal. And she also mentioned she lives in an apartment building. And of course, living in close quarters with so many people, there's bound to be one person who's not so chill. That's something obviously to be concerned about. So she recommended this device called the Ardent Lift Nova Decarboxylator. And essentially, it's a little device that will allow you that all it does is decarbs. You put your weed in it, you push a few buttons, and you just wait. And the whole purpose in part is to keep, not only to make decarbing pretty easy, you don't have to use your whole oven if you have other cooking or whatever it is that you want to do, but you just set it on your countertop and it's going to minimize the smell dramatically. And I thought I'd share this with you guys. I've never tried one. I have heard of one, but getting a recommendation like that from someone who has to be pretty cognizant of the smell when decarbing, I thought was a pretty strong recommendation. So you can check that out. I'll link to it in the show notes for you guys. You can find it easily. I have no affiliation with this company or anything like that. So you can check it out if this is something that might interest you. If you find that decarbing can be sometimes be a problem. The only drawback I do see with it in Uh, when I was looking at it online is just that it's a little smaller. I can't remember how many, how many grams of weed you could do at a time. But when the device is so simple, perhaps sometimes I'll decarb quite a bit of weed at a time and then store it in a, in a jar in a dark cupboard. But with something like this, it's probably easier to just you know, decarb when you're we're ready to do an infusion. If you know you're going to be doing an infusion the next day, you decarb it the night before. So the larger capacity isn't necessarily a big as big of a deal because it's so easy to just set it up and forget it, turns off automatically, all that stuff. So that's a really great recommendation. I really appreciate you writing in, Leah, with that. And I was talking to another listener a little while ago, Johnny. He also recommended sous vide. Now, I was going to get into playing around with some sous vide because I keep hearing what a great cooking method it is, whether you're doing it for edibles or or just regular cooking in your kitchen. And I've heard that sous vide makes unreal recipes, steaks, everything. And I still haven't gotten around to purchasing one because fuck if Christmas didn't kick my ass. And the sous vide method for decarbing is also something that can be used to decrease the smell. So you've got a couple of options there. And of course, the smell will be maintained in a sous vide method because this is basically where you have an immersion circulator and you would vacuum seal your weed and it would be submerged underwater. So there wouldn't be the same smell as if you're decarboxylating in the oven. It does take longer from what I recall, from what I've what I've learned from what Johnny told me too, to decarb with this method. But again, it's one of those things where you can just turn it on and let it sit and do its thing and you don't really have to think about it. There are a lot of different sous vide immersion circulators and sous vide pots and everything on the market. I came across one from Instapot that got a lot of great reviews on Amazon. And I'm only thinking about Instapot recently. I just found out they even had one because I just bought an Instapot for someone for a gift. I'm kind of jealous because I've been wanting one myself. And I realized the Instapot does this immersion circulator as a separate 
piece, which you can use with their pot, their inner pot, or you can use with a regular pot or bowl or dish or whatever. So you don't have to have that. Um, those run at about a hundred bucks, give or take, maybe a little, uh, a little less for my American listeners. And so if you're, you know, that could also be a good investment as well, but those are two methods that you can use to decarb that's not going to stink up your entire place. So if this is a concern to you, check those things out. They could be worthwhile. Next, the recipe. Again, I got to give another shout out to Leah because she gave me this idea and it's something that had never occurred to me and that is infusing cocoa butter. She had tried it because she was getting into making some chocolates. I thought, what a great idea. I've never tried this before. I thought I'd give it a shot. So the other day I infused some cocoa butter because I have been planning on making some truffles anyway this week. The Valentine's Day was coming up and something a little nice and chocolatey can be can really satisfy the sweet tooth for people. But when you're making them yourself, you get to eliminate a lot of the junk food ingredients or junk ingredients that you would find in commercially prepared chocolates. And if you're going to be doing something for for Valentine's Day, gifts from the heart, handmade gifts really say a lot more. Because anybody can just go to the store and buy a box of Ferrero Rocher. Those little addictive bastards. I infused the the cocoa butter and I bought something a brand called Organic Traditions. It was an organic fair trade cocoa butter and this stuff that you're buying it comes in chunks and it looks like white chocolate. I've seen a couple different spellings for it. I'm a little confused about that because sometimes it looks like cacao butter and then there's cocoa butter so I don't really know what the difference is but you can find that in pretty much like bulk food stores you can find it at good health food stores you can probably find it at a decent grocery store as well I bought a bag and then I infused it using a double broiler method which if you don't have an official double broiler you can easily do with like a, a heat proof bowl like a Pyrex bowl or something like that over your pot and I just put the cocoa butter in the in the top of the double broiler I let it melt. I added my cannabis and I waited for about two and a half hours, I think, for it to infuse. And that was it. I strained it and put it in a wide open dish because it does get pretty hard once it's hardened. So you don't want to put it in like a jar or anything because then you'll have a hell of a time trying to get it out when you want to use it. That's what I did. The one benefit to doing this is it does, not only does it open up a whole new realm of recipes you can create, but it smells really good when it's when it's infusing. I had a couple of people come in and be like, hmm, it smells like chocolate in here. And so that's a nice benefit to this particular infusion because it smells so great. The nice thing about cocoa butter too, if you happen to have it on hand, is you can use it for things like vegan chocolates or where you don't want to get into dairy. I ended up finding a recipe online to try and it was easy vegan chocolate which had me at easy because of course you know I have limited time in the kitchen we're all busy I got a day job and all that shit too so I'm looking for something that's going to be great and simple to do and it literally had uh, let's see here six ingredients the cacao butter maple syrup unsweetened cocoa powder vanilla which was uh, vanilla extract which was an optional addition 
a pinch of sea salt, also optional, and cacao nibs, also optional. So technically, it's a three-ingredient recipe, and if you happen to have the other stuff on hand, fantastic. I did, so I used them. Again, this is a vegan chocolate, which is kind of nice. And it said you could use maple syrup or agave. I'm wondering if you could use honey as well. It was probably not listed here because there are many vegans who don't eat honey as a sort of animal byproduct. But if you had that, you might that might work as well. And essentially, you're basically you're melting these ingredients together and then pouring them into molds. That's pretty much what you're doing. I'll link to this particular recipe that I found in the show notes. Funnily enough, it came from a, res- a website called The Minimalist Baker, which had those energy balls that I posted last week. So if you missed that, you can find those on her website too. A couple of things I'd recommend when making something like this is because you're going to get out molds of some kind. Now, the only thing that I might have done differently next time is I wish I had a bigger mold. I probably could have used the pot leaf ones because I feel like these the with the cocoa butter they harden to a harder consistency so I feel like the the points of the leaves wouldn't break off like when I made the fat bombs because that was a real that was a real drag when you're like a third of the of the infusion that I made was still left in the mold because they had broken off because the fat bombs were too soft but these would have a harder consistency so they might have worked for those molds I should have gotten those out but I'll have to make another batch and try that out so bigger molds might have been nice it, the recipe that I found online said it would make about 14 of these chocolates and I ended up with double that, but that's probably good. In part because when I did the calculations, I came up with 37.5 milligrams. Now, I'm basing it on an average percentage, an average of 15% milligrams THC in the weed that I was using. That could be a little high. I don't know the actual potency of the weed that I've been using, so I always have to guesstimate. Sometimes erring on the side of caution and being a little higher with your your THC percentage will just mean that it's better to better to be higher than lower. And just in case, but 37.5. So if I was to do this again, I'd probably try and make them lower dose because I'd rather eat like two or three of these chocolates. They were pretty small in these molds that I have. I'd rather eat two or three maybe than just one. Yeah, and it makes it easier for sharing because one little chocolate isn't much. Now, maybe there's advantages to that, which means I can't eat a whole shit ton of chocolate and be like, eat a whole shit ton of chocolate in one sitting. But sometimes for these types of of edibles less is more and again they were pretty small chocolates with the molds that I used so a 37.5 percent milligram might be a little might be a little high for most people unless one tiny chocolate is all you need and maybe anyway that might be one thing I do next time is lower the dose another thing that you can do if you want to make them more potent use infused syrup you can infuse syrup, agave nectar, and honey, all of these things, and it called for one of the three to sweeten the chocolate. And so if you want a higher dose chocolate what you, that you're working on, you can infuse that too. So of course you can play around with it however, however you see fit. That's what I love about edibles is you can tailor make them to your preferences and so if you give that recipe a shot, let me know how it turns out. I found them really easy and with the molds, they looked really nice. And you could put those in a nice tin or container or something and gift them to someone or just keep them in your fridge. You know, they're there whenever you need them. They keep, I think it said for about a week in the fridge and it's set in the freezer for a month. 
So the fact that I only got 30 out of them is probably good. I'll, I'll probably be sharing some of these. So, so yeah, that's one thing to try. Now, the other thing that I was going to be making this week and then I realized I didn't have, because I made these, because I pivoted and I made this uh, chocolate instead, I used up most of my cocoa powder and I need to go buy more and I needed some dark chocolate chips for the truffles. But I'll just mention these recipes anyway because they're they were pretty simple. They're in a couple of the books that I've recommended numerous times on this show: Bong Appetit and Edibles Small Bites for the Modern Cannabis Kitchen. I'm going to be trying these spiced superfood truffles as soon as I get back to the store. I'm gonna be trying to make these this week because they use coconut oil in in their truffles instead of the more traditional um, heavy cream. And I have made the truffles from the Bon Appetit book. They're pretty simple to do too. They were excellent as well. They, you know, they have that sort of sophisticated feel to them um, as a as a dessert. And I do recall when I made the truffles in the Bon Appetit book, there was a couple of ways to infuse them. It did call for infused cream, but you could also add infused honey because it called for honey in that recipe. It also calls for butter. So if you want to add any of these, any of these extra infusions to make them more potent, then that's an, one way to do it. But they just use infused cream. And I haven't had any, I haven't been doing dairy recently because I think, I'm not sure you guys, but I think it might give, it might give me a histamine reaction, which means my nose gets all clogged up. And God, if that isn't the worst news ever, because I fucking love cream. It's probably a good thing. I was drinking way too much cream in my coffee anyway, every morning, which also meant I was drinking way more coffee because I wanted more cream. It was sort of a vicious cycle. But anyway, if you're trying to avoid dairy, then the spiced superfood truffles is a good option and also good if you already have coconut oil on hand. And this was a pretty simple recipe. So if you guys, I recommend checking out either of these books. They're fantastic. I'll link to those in my show notes as well. I've linked to them lots of times because they happen to be the books that I own and the books that I'm using a lot and working with. The nice thing about the superfood truffles is that they were not very many ingredients and then you made superfood garnishes. So it recommended hemp hearts, shredded coconut, cacao nibs, uh, cocoa powder, goji berries, crystallized ginger. And one thing I really like about this is you can just happen, use what you happen to have on hand. I definitely know I don't have gin, uh, crystallized ginger in my cupboard, as tasty as that sounds. I probably won't be, I'll probably be skipping that one, but you can make it your own. Maybe you have something else that you think would be pretty tasty too. So I would recommend trying those out based on what infusions you happen to have or what you feel like infusing in the next few days because these make really tasty treats. And again, I've tried the truffles and Bon Appetit and they were great. So give those two a try. If you try any of those out, let me know how they go. Lastly, favorite things to do whilst high. Ah, there's a lot of things I like to do. I eat edibles pretty regularly, but one of my, f and so of course I do all kinds of things when I'm high. I talk to people, I play games, I've been learning German. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm when I'm high is to watch stand-up comedy. So if anybody has any good recommendations, I'm always looking for new funny comics 
And yeah, so that's one of the things I like to do when I'm high. And if you want to let me know what you like to do while you're high, just send me an email at bitemepodcast at fastmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Next week, I'm going to be doing, instead of a dessert or a treat or a snack, I'm going to be doing more of a meal-based idea that looks pretty simple. I thought I'd try it out. That gives you time if you want to do, to collect the ingredients you might need. As long as you have some kind of flour-infused olive oil on hand, you'll be able to pull this recipe out no problem. We're going to be talking about that next week. So in the meanwhile, I hope you have fun making your chocolates. I hope you guys have a great week. You try out some new recipes. If you're working with anything in your kitchen, let me know how they turn out. If you want to leave me a review on one of your favorite platforms, that would be much appreciated as well. And until next time, stay high, friends. 